when things get difficult, like, or when the money's not just flowing everywhere, that's when the, the real companies surface. And like, that's when you have to do things that maybe you're not comfortable doing, or like you have to make changes, but th- that's when really the, like some of the hard work happens, but that's when some of the best work happens. Welcome to MGA Founders Podcast with Socotra CEO, Dan Woods. Tune in each episode to hear Dan chat with innovative MGA founders to learn their stories, their challenges, and their visions. And now our host, Dan Woods. Dustin Lemick is the founder and CEO of Brightco. Brightco is an innovative insurance technology company that is transforming the retail jewelry experience for the digital age. So, Dustin, great to have you here. Are uh, you coming from Chicago today? Hey, Dan. Uh, it's great to be here. I uh, really appreciate it. Yes, I am coming from Chicago, and we've got our first nice day of spring here, which is wild because we're in May. But, I, yes, I'm calling in from Chicago. Wow. Well, I'm in my home in Austin, Texas. Um, it was over 100 a few days ago and highly humid. So, um I'm, I'm, I'm missing some of those days back there in the upper Midwest where I'm from. Well, I'm kind of jealous because I, w- I would take 100, even though it's a little on the warm side, but I, I think I would take it because we've had somewhat of a brutal spring, but um, we're, we're coming out of it now. So, so now Chicago's yeah. getting pr- pr- pretty good here. Well, looking forward to having you down here at some point. Um, it's um, been a, an amazing InsureTech community going on here in, in, in Austin. So um, definitely have to do that. And I think I've been talking for quite a few years now. I'm trying to think when we first met. Um, it was easily three years ago, maybe four, or dare I say five. It was pre-COVID, definitely. And I want to say f- about four. It was four years ago, I would say. I yeah. think we met we at on ramp. The- I remember. We met on ramp, yep. ramp and, I, and I was yep. like, wow, you brought the whole executive team. And you're like, no, I brought the whole company. <laughs> yep. Yep, that was back in. I mean, that was early days for us. I think it was early days for you too. But yeah, we were. That was the very beginning for us. It was yeah, early days for us indeed. And of course, our product was a was a a, a whole lot simpler. So um, you're looking at it, going, ah, we could build this. And I was kind of scratching my head four or five years ago, going, yeah, you probably could. And I know that you were <laughs> able, you know, put something together to, to get this far. And um, I'm really excited about 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 what you've done. Um, and then just a couple of weeks ago, we were catching up in in Chicago. Um, a great look. Uh, what was the spot you 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 brought me to? Um, that was, um, Swift and Sons. Yeah. Oh, great. Right in, uh, downtown Chicago there. Um, I know I've eaten there before, but this was, uh, um, at the bar, uh, kind of funny as, um, they had a scotch I really wanted to try and they had a Manhattan that looked good too. And I'm trying to figure out like, am I gonna get the cocktail or gonna get the spirit? So, um, uh, yeah, I think I made I think I made the light of this at the time, but I'm like I'm just going to let Dustin order. If he orders a spirit, I'm going to get I'm going to get the scotch. If he orders a cocktail, I'm going to go with the Manhattan. And I think you got like a what what was it you got? So it was a tequila. My my drink of choice is actually I I really like tequila. Uh, so it was a reposado uh, on ice with just a tiny bit of simple syrup and orange bitters. Um, so I throw some, uh, some bartenders through a loop with that order sometimes, but, uh, that was, that was the order. And you had like something on the side. I seem to recall. 
So I asked them to put the simple syrup on the side because yeah. I like to control the sweetness of the beverage. Um, that's just kind of the way I am. But yeah, it yeah. was simple syrup on the side. So I'm looking at this and trying to figure out, is this a cocktail or you like right down the middle? I mean, it's like, it's definitely not a cocktail, but I can't just say you got a spirit. I think I ended up going with a cocktail. But the other thing I learned about you immediately is that I'm talking to a connoisseur. And that is something that led to um, a very long and awesome conversation there and, 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 a, and a few more drinks, um, which I think ties actually to, I mean, you're doing jewelry insurance and your background is like legit jewelry. I mean, like, wait, like you were a jeweler, your dad was a jeweler, you collect, like there's, there's, there's like a passion here. I want, I want to hear more about this. Like, did you just like grow up in jewelries that we got for Christmas when you're 12? Like, <laughs> yeah, it, you're, you're right. I mean, I have a, a very non-traditional background for where we sit in the insured tech world here, but I do, you're right. I come from a lineage of jewelers. My, my, not only was my, my father a jeweler, my grandfather was a jeweler and he started, Jeez. yeah, like he started our retail stores and our organization in the fifties. Um, and so after I'm a proud Wisconsin Badger and after school, I, I jumped right into our family business. And, uh, you, you know, one of the, I was running our, our stores and running the organization and, and was in retail, basically. Um, definitely a connoisseur of s certain things. I love, uh, I'm a big watch guy. I love watches, specifically vintage watches. I really like vintage watches. Yeah. Um, and that's why we, we talked a bunch about that when we were, when we were getting yeah. a drink. Yeah. Um, but one of the things too, so like working into our family business, we were grandfathered into a lot of the claim replacement systems for some of the bigger carriers. And that is where I first started seeing some of these, uh, pain points for, for consumers around the insurance mm -hmm. process in this particular space. And that led me down this crazy path of, and then I basically gave myself my, uh, an, like an on the spot education mm -hmm. uh, regarding insurance. Like I learned as we went, uh, it helped one of my co-founders also a fully credentialed actuary. He's an FCAS. How did you, cause you came in knowing the jewelry part and you came in knowing you came in knowing that there was a problem. Yeah. And yeah. how did you flesh that out to find the people to, to help you get actually into doing the insurance part? And what did that team look like? Yeah, it's a really good question. So like we identified the pain points early. Um, I legitimately lived the pain points and, and saw my customers having trouble getting insurance or the process was bad and the claims experience wasn't great, uh, things like that. And so really it just started with like a lot of research and moonlighting um, and networking. And so one of the things that I got really good at was networking and communicating with other folks and, and figuring out you know, what was really going on here and just a lot of digging, a lot of digging. And at that time is when I met my co-founder, uh, Connor, who is Connor Redmond, who is a fully, fully credentialed actuary. And he was looking at it from a different lens. You know, he was looking at it from an actuarial lens and on really more of an insurance viewpoint. But we saw kind of the same thing, and this is kind of where the rubber met the road, was we were seeing the same types of pain points, the same issues that were coming through 
from different vantage points. So, and, and they met. And so at that point was really when we were like, oh my God, there is a problem here. And this is also at the time when InsureTech was really starting to take off, already has taken off, I should say. And, you know, we just looked at this particular line of business and said, okay, this, this makes sense. And we, at that point, built a super robust business plan and, and of course, a pitch deck. Uh, I'm sure you've seen this and, and, and you know this probably better than anybody, is just getting a, an insurance product to market yeah. is a feat by itself. Um, you know, in, in one state even, just, just getting that product is difficult. And so we raised our seed round pre-product, pre-revenue, mm -hmm. um, and we built a super robust business plan with actuarial exhibits and and basically everything you can imagine. We started pitching reinsurance companies. Mm -hmm. um, and I could go more into that if you want, but that was our approach. Was we wanted a strategic partner. Yeah. And and you um you made that money stretch. You were, <laughs> yeah, you were killer with, with with that from what, what I um, yeah. quite understand. You got a ton done. Um, there's always a temptation starting a company to like, you want to like picture, oh yeah, I'm going to have this office filled with people and like, it's going to be amazing and I'm going to move like this fast. Uh, but there's a cost to moving that fast if you don't wait to have the metrics to, um, to raise, <laughs> frankly. Yeah, you're, you're right. Like we, I pride ourselves and my company on how lean we've been and how we've been able to stretch. I mean, we raised a $2 million seed round pre-product, pre-revenue. And that took us, you know, over, well over probably close to three years with Jeez. that capital. Uh, we did a little bridge round in between, but but by and large, you know, we did a lot with, with a, just not a lot of capital. But that is why I think companies like Socotra are so helpful um, is because in order to stretch a dollar that long, you have to be able to lean on partners um, and lean really on technology. I mean, we leaned heavily on technology and, and that's how we were able to do it. Yeah. Oh, very, uh, very cool. And they understand you even like, I mean, this is a little crazy from what I'm hearing, but I hear you even did your own, like you did your own filing. Yeah. Yeah. This was unbelievable lift, but saved us a huge amount of money. Um, yeah. So, I mean, having a, a, our chief actuary and a co-founder who, who's actuarial minded, um, we legitimately built our own filing. We worked with our partners. We worked with our reinsurance partners who they seeded us. Um, and so not only were they investors in our company from, from a seed level, but they also support the the program. And so we worked with them, but by and large, we really built these, our filings, like pretty much in-house. Hmm. Okay. Then, um, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about, um, about the business itself. Like, I mean, obviously it's jewelry, but like, for example, uh, what percentage of the jewelry insurance uh, industry is engagement slash wedding bands compared to literally everything else? I have to imagine that's the biggest segment. Is it like 50, 50 or it's the biggest by a, a lot for us. Um, so you have a, a whole handful of different segments. I mean, you have mm -hmm. different item types, you have watches, which is a whole, a whole different deal altogether. And we insure watches as well. Um, I mean, the there's some a, a different product. 
Uh, same filing, similar, similar product, but ultimately the way we look at it, we look at it as like a completely different product. Okay. Um, uh, you know, there's different challenges with, with writing that line of, with writing that business, um, that it's different than writing a piece of jewelry. There's just yeah. different underwriting. Uh, there's different fr- like fraud levels of fraud. Um, mm-hmm. watches are typically highly targeted. Uh, so a Rolex for instance would be a much more targeted item for theft. Um, you, you know, oh. th- than a lot of engagements, but engage to, to your point, to your question, uh, engagements for us make up a, a vast majority of our book, which is, which is what we like. It's what we target. So it's like somewhere in the ballpark of 70% of what we do. Hmm. It's okay. also, I should say, I should say as well, though, like we really highly covet that consumer. So that consumer mm-hmm. is like a millennial, um, mm-hmm. engagement purchaser who's at a really critical juncture of yeah. their life. They're making big life decisions. Yeah. And we think it's that's a really one thing. of the most expensive things they've ever bought. I mean, besides, you know, house vehicle, it might be number three. It's <laughs> they even we, bought a house. We think it's two. Exactly. Exactly, Dan. It's we, we're seeing it's um, folks are buying engagement before they're buying house. So it's usually auto ring house. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then I have to imagine there has to be a whole uh, different segment when you get to the high end of jewelry. People just have assets, multiple six-figure assets and and so forth. That's got to be a whole separate realm. I don't know if you get to that or if that's a completely different thing. That's like the 0.1%. I mean, we do do have a significant, somewhat significant portion of our book is is high net worth type individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, But typically, it's not really our target. Um, you know, those folks are typically much older, uh, but you're right. It, it's, it's really a totally different segment. Okay. I'm curious, like what kind of, um, I'm kind of curious how, how claims work is one thing I've wondered, like I, you know, I, I crash my car. I can go, there's the damaged car and you see what you're dealing with. I mean, it, there's not the, the fraud vector is, you know, not likely because I don't get a whole lot of a lot out of bashing my car with a bat just to get the money <laughs> to just fix the car back to what I have. Right. Um, right. You know, you could I mean, if my cousin Jim owns the repair shop, it might get some bad. I mean, like there's not like as opposed yeah. to like a ring we're just like, oh, I lost it. Like there's no like, how do you verify? You look at an empty jewelry box. You, I lost it. You know, see, yep. here's my finger, you know. <laughs> Like how, yep. do you, how do you deal with that? And then like, do they ever find it later and go like, Oh shoot. <laughs> yep. You're right on the money. Um, we do have a significant portion of claimants that do end up finding it. The reason there's a significant reason for that is, um, it, de- it, I'll caveat it by saying this depends, but by and large, um, they're coveted items. So like folks generally don't want to lose their engagement. There's a lot of meaning and, and emotion yeah. attached to that. And so you could imagine that, um, if somebody does lose their engagement, they usually look pretty hard to yeah. try to find it. It's not like, Oh, it's gone. I'll just put an insurance claim. Um, so we do have a significant portion of folks that do end up finding the item, which is great. Hmm. Um, it's, it's a, it's a really good kind of, 
part of this line of business. But there is, like to, to what you said before, in terms of fraud, that that's a real thing, and that that's a potential yeah. issue. You really have to be careful and know what you're doing. Um, you know, we have a, some proprietary technology that we use. Um, both on the inbound and also on the claim side uh, that we've built in-house that help us in terms of uh, underwriting, but also claim handling. The other part is in terms of replacement. Also, our policies are repair replacement only. So we don't like cash out uh, customers. So somebody who's looking for a cash out, it's a big, it's something that's really important for what we do. Um, You know, if they're looking to get cash Mm-hmm. We're not the company. We're not the insurance company for them. Um, and so that that's helpful. There's lots of little details and nuances to what we do like like that, that really give us a leg up. Um, and the other piece in terms of the actual claims process is this is where we shine. Uh, you know, having deep in, uh, industry expertise and knowing the process and knowing, you know, what a customer really wants in terms of a replacement and how to quickly, efficiently process a replacement in this space yeah. um it gives a replacement i mean some of these things are i mean I, i'm a, as a single guy they all look the same to me but i have a feeling <laughs> <laughs> you wear yeah, something you look at it for a few years and then like if anything's a little different you're gonna notice yeah there's there's a lot of nuance um you know we have processes that we've set up and partnerships that we've struck in 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 the industry, in the jewelry industry partnerships that we leverage in terms of just super streamlining the process, I'll give you an example, is like we have a custom uh, partner who all they do is custom items, custom rings, custom whatever, name it, they'll do it, they'll, they'll custom customize it. And we've built a process around that so that if we are going to replace the item in-house, we will, and that's like it starts with a sketch. We'll work with customers with, with a sketch and that moves into a CAD rendering. And there's we have this whole process built around it, which is wow. honestly probably the best process in this yeah. particular industry. Like nobody else does what we do to this level. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't you know, obviously can't wait till the ring disappears to go, oh, let's make that CAD drawing now. Um, you've got to do this for every single one of them. Um Wow, that's that, that's intense. And then, um, so uh, obviously, as, as you alluded to, sometimes you've got a claim of loss, and they go, "Oh, I found it!" Like after the claim is processed. First of all, that's a that's a that's a great honesty test right there. Um, maybe it helps when they get a ring because, like, you're not going to wear two of them. So <laughs> it, it's it's one thing to if you. It, I, I could imagine it more likely that someone would get um, would get a check. And then fail to send the money back just because they don't get around to it rather than I've got the second ring up looking at me. And <laughs> I, I assume you make the returns easy then. I mean, do, I, do they ship it or how's that work? Yeah. So they, now, now I've got a ring that like you, you made a custom ring to pay yeah. out a claim. Oh, I found it. Here's the ring back. You know, like, what do you, what do you so, do? That? So that's where, you're, you're still dealing with an asset, right? So like, let's just say we're replacing a two carat diamond engager ring. Um, you know, that two carat center stone that we're replacing is still worth quite a bit. So 
um, in a salvage capacity, um, we're able to salvage it and still retain probably upwards of 80 to 90%. Okay. Um, and so uh, yeah, we, we, of just the stone or not, or does that include, um, lost work on building the whole ring and so forth? It depends on the item, but it almost always includes some lost percentage of the, um, customization if we need to customize it or lo- losing some, um, you know, some amounts based on, you, you're just not going to get a hundred percent of that back. Um, but you know you can still retain and salvage a significant portion of it, depending on. Okay, of course, it depends on the item itself. Like if it's a heavily customized piece with like the assets or like the actual raw material inside is, is not worth very much. Like you're not going to salvage too much there. But by and large, like a lot of this is just in, like engagement ring purchases, center stones, um, stud earrings, things like that, where we can we can salvage quite a bit. And we of course we make it. Qu- very easy for them to send it back. Like we send them labels and like, we have a whole process for that as well. Okay. So I think I asked, like, I mean, you said your father was a jeweler, his father was a jeweler. Um, and they understand that, um, you, you, you studied gemology at the graduate level here at, at GIA I'm seeing, um, yep. what is, what is something about jewelry that would blow the minds of, an intelligent person who doesn't know anything about the industry. There's got to be so many random quirks or something. Oh my God. Uh, that is, blow my mind. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this. Um, I would say the trust factor that is woven through every facet of this business is mind blowing to me is you will have deals that get done, call it, you know, $10 million, $20 million deals, mm-hmm. you know, that get done via handshake. There's no contracts. There's no nothing. It's mm-hmm. literally via trust. Um, and there's a, they actually have a word for that. It's called Mazal. So if, if you and I were to do a diamond deal and I was to buy 20 diamonds for you from you for, $30 million, we would literally have a handshake and say, Mazal, that is, that's the deal done. Like, <laughs> like crazy, like really, really crazy stuff like that. Um, it's a very colorful industry. Uh, I, I could probably go off on this for a really long period of time, but I'll, yeah. I'll leave you with that, with that little, that, 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 that's, that's killer right there. I mean, that's like your series yeah. B or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Handshake, 20 million bucks. Here we go. Here are your diamonds. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Mark and Dreesen. Mazal, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here. <laughs> here, okay. I'll send you some stock. You'll arrive. Uh, so, whatever. That's a, that's that's that, that that's awesome. Um, so what's um what's next for you guys? I mean you're, yeah, you're, you're I mean, alive like, right now. I I can't remember if I asked that. We're we're live in every single state. We oh. launched in, we launched in every state plus DC. So we're okay. we're live. What was the incremental work? I mean, you said you did your own filing. Um, where, where were you live first? First, we, we literally rolled it all out at the same time. So okay. I mean, we really and this this is what I was kind of alluding to before, like having wow. this in house expertise. I, seriously, bigger than I realized. Okay. Yeah, we rolled it all out at once. Um, we weren't going state by state, and. So we probably got 
Now, keep in mind, this is a much different type of a filing than something like auto or homeowners, right? It's, it's much more simple of a line of business. Um, you know, you could not actually do this, I don't believe, to this level in, in auto, um, for instance. Um, but we, yeah, we rolled it all out at once. Um, we probably knocked down 20 to 30 states right away. Um, probably more than that, actually. And, you know, from day one, honestly, from day one, the game plan was we're rolling this out nationwide immediately. Like Mm -hmm. we're not, you know, there was a bunch of testing and like we, I haven't even gotten to like our distribution channels. We have multiple distribution channels. So we're Mm -hmm. able to control the inbound a little bit. So we, you know, a lot of what we needed to do was make sure we were learning appropriately and that we were having feedback loops and mm-hmm. understanding what we're doing so we didn't get ourselves in trouble or write a whole lot of bad business on the books. Um, you know, that is a very fast way to get in trouble. In this line of business, you could do that very easily with the fraud yeah. type of deal that we talked about. Um, but yeah, we rolled out all 50 states plus DC right away. Wow. And then, um, okay, speaking of distribution, I have to imagine that selling through jewelry stores, it would be the primary here i'm that's someone's buying a ring and you know check the box to get the insurance too makes the most sense is that kind of how that works so yeah we work with uh, three thousand plus stores now across the country um and we have kind of a point of sale i'll use the hot word embedded type uh distribution Mm -hmm. channel there through our jewelry partner this is probably an industry that's been doing embedded forever yeah yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it is. It is. And, and so it gives us the ability to offer. I mean, we have technology. We have an appraisal system, basically, that we built. Uh, there's a lot of issues, and I'll, I'll save that for another another conversation. But there's issues around appraisals for jewelers. So we built an appraisal system, and, and we give it to them for free. And that's kind of this lead generating system that uh, gives us the ability to offer point of sale uh, insurance quotes while they're in the store. And that's one of our distribution channels. The other distribution is just D to C, you know, we have a, and that's pretty robust. We have some pretty really, really refined technology, um, in terms of controlling that inbound funnel, um, and kind of risk selection and and, and things like that, that we use, but we, yeah, we have both those, I, I guess point being is like, we were able to control, that inbound from the yeah. beginning to a level that we thought was acceptable mm-hmm. um, so that we could learn appropriately. All right. Well, that's just got to be a killer advantage for uh, your, your background compared to if you know some guy like me was like, Hey, I'm going to make jewelry insurance and, or someone with a other insurance, even if someone's background was jewelry insurance because they did it at, you know, someone else doing it. Uh, some other firm doing jewelry insurance. Um, I have to imagine that uh, just having spent that much time around it, the network and stuff has got to be just a huge advantage for getting those relationships. Yeah. When we pitched our seed round, you know, like I mentioned, we were pitching just specifically to reinsurance companies. We got two companies immediately that were interested. Um, Part of the pitch, you know, we again, there was no product. It, it we didn't, mm-hmm. we needed capital to, to get the product off the ground. Um, so pre-product, pre-revenue, and but part of the pitch was look, look, like we have industry experts here. Like, look at the team. We have insurance experts, we have jewelry experts, and like we know what we're doing. And that was part of the really part of the pitch. 
Cool. And then you're talking earlier about uh, the process of getting uh, getting reinsurance. Um, you seen you you mentioned pitching for reinsurance, and of course you have to get your funding and your, and your reinsurance. Um, how did that? What came first? And tell me more about the the reinsurance side. Yeah. So I guess I should say we were pitching carriers and reinsurance companies out of the gate because what 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 we really felt strongly about and to this day i felt like it was without a doubt the right approach Mm -hmm. was we wanted a strategic partner we wanted somebody to be invested with us from a capital perspective from an equity perspective but also from the program side of things too i guess it was just how it shook out is that we were getting traction right away from uh, like I said, a few reinsurance companies. We also were talking to some care, like some primary carriers, but um, it, I guess that's just the way it, it shook out and um, it worked really well. And to this day, I think it's worked well. It's kind of was a win-win because, um, you know, for our partners, we're able to provide profitable reinsurance premium uh, and we write on their paper as well. So we, we kind of have a fr- fronted carrier for them and, we um uh they they get in our profitable reinsurance business and and we have a great partner that supports us um you know when let me put it this way if we need to make program changes it's not moving it's not moving the earth to try to do that like it, we have partners you know i have somebody on my board who we can talk to and we can get these things pushed through relatively quickly um uh, if you're I don't think all MGAs um, or agencies or whatever other structures are out there for for the most part, they can't all move that quickly. Mm -hmm. We can't move that quickly either, but I think we can move quicker than most by having this um, sort of uh, having these players at the table and and having the right pieces there in place. All right. So um, I wasn't, I thought I heard something wrong, but I guess I heard it right. Then your reinsurer also invested and create and did a did a seat investment. Yes, and yeah. You got a board seat, so your reinsurer is right there in the board meetings for for better or worse. But in this case, it's it's it, it, it it's for better. If there's needs that you have, they're right there and they're bought in. Without a doubt, for us, it's worked really, really well. That's awesome. So, um. Where do you think you're headed next? You're live in all 50 states plus DC. Yep. Um, well, we just raised our A round and we... Um, well, congrats on that, by the way. I should have I should have said that at the beginning. Well, we'll come back around to that. I'm kind of... No, no. It's, there, it's, it's, it's all good. Thank you. No, thank you. It's all good. Um, yeah, we're super excited. We brought in some some great investors that we're, we're really, really happy with. Um, we... So to your question, we, I'm going to intentionally keep this a little vague, but we have some really interesting, I guess, tangentially related products that we're looking at, um, insurance products, finance products, and, and other products related to what we're doing now. Um, you know, like I said before, like we have this captive consumer that we really highly covet. They're at this critical juncture in their life. And we're understanding kind of what their profile looks like and, and what other products and services that particular uh, consumer might need at this point in their life. And so those are the types of things that we're looking at right now. Um, and we're just 
we're super excited about kind of what we're going to be able to do in the future. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and then speaking of the series a again, uh, c- congratulations. Um, what, um, if you can say, I'm kind of curious, uh, when, when did the term sheet arrive? And I'm kind of wondering that the environment seems to be changing quite a bit. Yeah. So, I mean, we got our term sheet the very beginning of January. Like okay. we had a, basically a handshake deal on December 31st, li- literally. Okay. Um, Did you say, and then, um, what's the, what's the word? Did you... Fortuitous, something like that. No, I mean, your, 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 your handshake, the deal is done. Uh, oh, Mazal. Right? Yeah. The Mazal deal. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so we 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 really had the term sheet. It was it was the beginning of January. I want to say like the, that yeah. first week. Okay, and then we yeah, and then we closed it um beginning of March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on our last round, we had the term sheet in January as well, a little later in the month. Um, I've been hearing it's a different story um, recently. Uh, it's now um, coming on mid May for this recording, and. Um, it's I've been here. It's been a little, a little tougher out there, but um, these things, these things ebb and flow. Yeah, it, a little bit. Although I've seen some numbers. Um, I mean, there is still capital in the system. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, it's not as frothy as it was. Like, I mean, we could all say that. But I, I do. There's, there's certainly still capital in the system. I mean, I know some folks that have, that are, that are getting successfully closing yeah. rounds. Um, I just think that the numbers are coming down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's another matter. If the deals still get done, but the numbers come down. Um, and then in any place um, you, you have, when things get frothy, you start funding things that shouldn't be funded. And those same people should really be doing something else, frankly. And if some of those get, don't get funded, um, of course, it doesn't work perfectly. <laughs> there might be a, an amazing company that doesn't get started that could have. Um, so, but that's, it, but it, it, it comes and goes. You can't have everyone also, doing companies. Yeah, but it also forces you to, put, like, well, I'm talking with kind of the entrepreneur hat on. It will force entrepreneurs to, it will force you to, to do something different. Like, it forces you to get gritty and to grind, right? Yeah. Like, we were building, we were going to go out and raise our A round in it, like COVID hit, you know, when we were working with just our retail jewelers at that point, we didn't have a D to C channel event. Like every one of our stores was closed for months. Yeah. Like, you know, like that's when you, that's when the, the cream rises to the crop, right. To the top, the, when things get difficult, like, or when the money's not just flowing everywhere, like, that's when the, the real companies surface. And like, that's when you have to do things that maybe you're not comfortable doing, or like you have to make changes or, or, but th- that's when really the, some of the hard work happens, but that's when some of the best work happens. Yeah. Yeah. I know we were four years old when we did our series a, um, it was, and a lot of it is, you know, we could have hired a million people up front, but, um, we're, we're selling to people early on who just, they take their time. And you can't turn money into making a tier one go faster. Um, this is back, you know, our early customers are largely tier ones who are doing experimental things mm-hmm. um, before we kind of exploded amongst the insure techs a, a, a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. 
um, and they move really fast. Our sales cycle went from like 15 months to under four or something like that from um, 20, 2019 to 2021. Um, but I definitely know what it's like for those four years pre-A and you meet someone and you're, <laughs> you're three years in and it's like, oh yeah, who did your A? And you're like, uh, yeah. <clears throat> um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you know, but that's the stuff that gives you the armor that you need. Yeah. Well, also there's certain learnings that just take time. You just yeah. have to observe it over and over. You have to just take that many meetings and you can't, um, yeah, you're not going to learn something. You can't do a crash course in some things. Yeah, I agree. And then maybe you haven't perfected your business model. Maybe that just is a signal that like you have to do more work. And that's okay. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel okay at the time, man. <laughs> oh, no, at the time it doesn't. It feels terrible. Like you're, But, you know, I sense that you're like me. I mean, I, you know, you just scratch and claw and you, you keep going until you figure out the, what works. And... So, but sometimes like if the money is just flowing, like maybe it's just, it's just investing in like what kind of what you said into flawed models or companies that really ought to do more work, um, maybe need to prove out more concept or, you know, I, I think like when this thing, I was hearing of companies that were getting f like some, some decent sized funding that had l like little to no traction at all. And was like, what is actually going on right now? Um, so I don't know, like some of that readjustment might not be bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, so let's see here. Turn to jewelry. Um, what's your Desert Island watch? <laughs> In case you want to oh, know what man. time it is on Desert Island. Oh, that's really difficult. Um, it would be a vintage... It would probably be a vintage. I have two questions. The one from your collection and the one from anywhere. So if I like my grail watch would be like a vintage Paul Newman Daytona, like a Rolex Paul Newman Daytona. Like you say vintage. Is there like a golden era? There's yeah, I mean they make that watch and I think they make that watch in gold, but like the steel version I mean, of it. Is there a golden era of when these were created? Is oh, it like golden era time period is the time to or I I want to say like those were like in the 70s, 80s, um okay. in, in that time period. But when when the Rolex Daytona came out, it was extremely unpopular. Nobody liked the watch. It was so far ahead of its time that people oh. were like, didn't get the watch. They didn't make that many of them. Um it's uh they're getting outrageously expensive though so like whatever um but i just like even just like very classic rolex submariners that just are nicely aged that have nice patina um i'm kind of i'm just i could go on for a long time i'm kind of just a watch geek there's a lot of different types of watches i like paddock philippe's like just super classic paddocks mm -hmm. are beautiful mm -hmm. um yeah I, I could go on but i would i would say that the the Paul Newman Daytona would, would probably be it. Would be the, the grail. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and which one gets the most wear? So, but just to clear the record here, I don't own a, a, a Paul oh, yeah, Newman yeah, Daytona. Yeah. That, that would be something that down the road I would, would aspire to purchase some yeah. someday. Yeah. Um, which one gets, what the, gets most the most wear? wear for me? I wear a Rolex GMT 1675, which is, uh, Pepsi 
It's it's a Pepsi. It's the the blue and red uh, GMT, and it's just a super classic. And it's from the, that watch is like dates back to the eighties, like eighty two, eighty three. All right, you got one on now. I do have one on now. It's a classic. We like video out of this, but hold that sucker up. Yeah, it, <laughs> we're doing audio uh, only, but this might be after video. Okay, it's I a Submariner. Kind of silver gold uh, band. Maybe it's white gold. I don't know. No, 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 steel. Just a, a steel uh, sub, st- steel Rolex sub. Yep. Okay. All right. Very cool. Then, um, yeah. Finally, um, I'm curious. What do you? What can people do to help? Who are excited? How can they get involved? Is something particularly you're hiring for? Something you're looking for? And how do people find you? Yeah, I mean, we're hiring right now. Um, we're hi- hiring a, a bunch of different roles, whether it's dev, um, CSR roles, customer success, things like that. Uh, so if, if anyone's interested, I'm always open to just have conversations as well. Um, like this, this is like I lo- love talking insure tech. Um, yeah, they can they can find me on LinkedIn for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. Um, and that would that would probably be the best place to, to, to get me. Great. Awesome. Well, Dustin, thank you for joining me today. Um, thanks for being a great host in Chicago. Looking forward to seeing you again soon. I get back there all the time. Love Chi-Town. Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate it. Happy to host anytime. Just, just give me a holler. Awesome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of MGA Founders Podcast, brought to you by Socotra, the policy administration system modern enough to power today's most innovative insurtechs. Visit Socotra.com forward slash MGA to see why more insurtechs trust Socotra than any other core platform. You'll find links to future episodes in today's show notes. Thank you for listening and make sure to subscribe and help us out with the review.